Bryant. My name is Jeff Radcliffe, and it is Monday, August 2nd. Oh, baby, we have an injury. We have an injury. Well, sort of. I guess it's an old injury that got progressively worse here uh, for Carson Wentz. So we got to unpack that on today's show. We will also talk some post-type sleepers for you here on the show today as well. Guys who at some point in the past were were hype guys and now are not, which means you can get them out of value. But let's dive into what we know about Carson Wentz. So the initial news was that he was going to miss some time with this foot injury that happened over the weekend here. Uh, then, uh, it, it was reported that he wasn't going to have surgery and now it's reported that he is going to have surgery, uh, coming from Stephen Holder over at the athletic. It's an injury that he apparently suffered in high school. Uh, and uh, it's a broken bone essentially that has come, come loose, uh, that was going to require this surgery. I suppose it could be a whole lot worse, but here's where things get weird. The timetable is a five to 12 week timetable. And it's an odd timetable. We typically don't see one that's that wide. Normally, it would be uh, five to eight week, an eight to 12 week, something along those lines. Usually, you get about a month span of the timeline, unless it's really short, like a two to four week, something along those lines. So five to 12 tells me this. If it is five weeks, so say he goes under the knife, he heals up quickly, he's good to go. He could, in theory, be under center in week one. If not, it would be week two. If it is... 12 weeks on the long end, well, that would put you seven weeks into the regular season, which is exactly where he would come off of the pup. So I think that's why it was thrown out there like that. There is the very real chance he could be pupped. So if he is pupped, then what happens for this team is they're going to go with Jacob Eason. They're not going to trade for Nick Foles. I really doubt it, at least. Nick Foles would be an option if Carson Wentz was going to miss the entire year. But being that he's not going to, uh, you're not going to trade for him. So you're going to roll with Jacob Eason. The team actually made a move to get a backup quarterback for Jacob Eason in Brett Hundley. Obviously, Brett Hundley, you don't want to roll into battle with him starting, but he would be better for you than uh, Sam Ellinger as you know your rookie, <laughs> your rookie backup. Now he's your rookie third stringer. Okay, fine. Now, obviously, I mean, hey, you're not going to be drafting Carson Wentz. Not that you were probably drafting him anyway in a one-quarterback league. And I don't think I want him in a super flex right now either, unless you somehow miss out on your third quarterback. That's the only way I'd be drafting him. And my first two quarterbacks have, like, later bye weeks. But the obvious question doesn't have to deal with Carson Wentz. It has to deal with Jonathan Taylor. Because out of the Colts, he is the guy who's going in the first round of fantasy football drafts. And it is a little bit tricky to evaluate this, but I think this is actually going to create a good situation for us if you are somebody who buys in on Jonathan Taylor from a a talent standpoint. Because if you have Jacob Eason under center, it's not optimal. (laughs) We know that. But what does Jacob Eason have to do to deliver value to Jonathan Taylor? He has to hand him the freaking football, right? Running behind one of the best offensive lines in the league. Now, is there game script? going to be as favorable with him under center in most weeks as it would be with Carson Wentz under center? Probably not. No, but the team still wants to run through Jonathan Taylor. So I don't think it's that dramatic of a drop off. In fact, I'm only going to move Jonathan Taylor down just slightly in my rankings. I've had to shuffle things around here because of Saquon Barkley 
and um, you know, obviously now Jonathan Taylor. But here's my running back rankings as of now, given this news and given where we stand on a very ambiguous five to twelve week timetable. I'm going Christian McCaffrey first, obviously. Dalvin Cook second, Alvin Kamara third, Derrick Henry fourth. Now I go Ezekiel Elliott fifth. <laughs> Here we go again. Zeke just keeps rising up in the rankings. He's like backdooring his way into the top five consideration now. Then after that, I actually do have Aaron Jones at six. I moved him up ahead of Saquon Barkley, and now I'm moving him up ahead of Jonathan Taylor as well. I have Jonathan Taylor at seven, Saquon Barkley at eight. And then it starts to get messy from there. But Aaron Jones, is, isn't he safe now? Almost. I mean, there's no such thing as a safe running back. I mean, the safest might be Derrick Henry. But think about it. Is he safer than Jonathan Taylor? Well, yeah, he is. He's certainly safer than Saquon Barkley. Barkley has a higher ceiling, of course. But if you want to, if you want to minimize risk, you have the sixth overall pick, and it does go McCaffrey, Cook, Kamara, Henry, and Zeke. Why not Aaron Jones? Seriously, why not? All he's shown us recently is the ability to put up massive numbers. The only reason why we were down on him in the first place was because of Aaron Rodgers not being in camp, and that didn't happen. You know, we thought that Aaron Rodgers was going to hold out, right? It didn't happen. So what other reason do we have to be down on him? And, and you know, I mean, Dynasty, a different story. He's 27 years old. Okay, fine. 1,000 yards rushing each of the last two years. He has 25 combined rushing touchdowns over the last two years, 33 over the last three years. He also adds in the receiving game. He has six receiving touchdowns combined over the last three years, 49 catches in 2019, 47 catches in 2020. He's going to be heavily involved in this offense, and Aaron Rodgers is there. So I, I don't, you know, maybe some people are still a little too low on him, but I don't mind it one bit right there. So Taylor does move down. The other consideration here in the passing game, I already wasn't as high on Michael Pittman as as maybe some are. I keep getting Michael Pittman, Pittman keeper questions. I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves there, even if you have him in the 10th or 11th round or whatever. It's just a different mindset than in Dynasty. In Dynasty, sure, you want him, but you have to take on the real possibility that Jacob Eason could be throwing him the ball for six games, which is basically half of the fantasy football regular season. Now, if Carson Wentz, if he said, you know, after the surgery, like, okay, I'm I'm back in, by week two, well, that's a different story. But for now, I'm going to let somebody else draft these uh, Colts wide receivers. Jonathan Taylor, though, I'm going to be greedy while others are fearful. I didn't move him back too dramatically. He's still easy first-round pick for me. All right, so let's talk about some post-type sleepers. We'll do that right after the break. So in 2021 fantasy football, fantasy sleepers, you know, historically a sleeper was a guy only a few people knew about in your fantasy leagues. And if you showed up in like 2003 and you knew who like the deep names were, you could clean up in your fantasy football drafts. But that just doesn't happen in today's fantasy football. Somebody had argued with me on Twitter that James Robinson last year was a sleeper. No, he was somebody who nobody freaking knew. Like this time a year ago, nobody freaking knew him at all. So I don't even think that classifies like that's just like a you, it was a miracle. It was it was like a, a a rarity, but not a true sleeper in the traditional sense. Sleepers existed because people didn't pay attention to football for most of the year. And, you know, we'd show up. We knew who those players were. We had the leg up on everybody. They were the sleepers. Right. 
even the people who don't pay attention still know who a lot of those guys are now. It just doesn't happen. But a post-hype sleeper is a player who last year uh, disappointed for in some way, shape, or form, whether it was they came into the season with a lot of hype and they didn't deliver, or maybe they were hurt, or maybe they were a former high-level player who is now coming off of a down year. That type of guy is who I'm talking about here. And I have nine guys on my list. None of them are quarterbacks. I don't really think there are any post-type sleeper quarterbacks this year. But these guys, I think we can get for a little bit of a value, and all of them offer upside in their own ways. So let's start at running back. Last year, uh, this time last year, the hype machine was in full swing for Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And while Clyde Edwards-Alaire actually still was pretty solid when you look at the overall production, he was an RB1 for a good chunk of the season. Like right on through week 11, he was an RB1. He was a top 12 guy. Now, granted, it was a roller coaster ride, and it didn't help towards the end of the year when Le'Veon Bell was brought in and all of that. But I know a lot of people are coming into this year saying, well, he was a disappointment last year, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. And he's going in the third round of fantasy football drafts. So he's not like he's a late round guy, but he's a guy going in the third round at a position of scarcity who could very well deliver top 12 or better production in one of the league's most explosive offenses, especially if we see his role slightly expand. You know, last year was a weird weird year for rookies. Last year was a year where rookies didn't have a typical offseason, where they came in well behind the curve, and they were trying to catch up the entire year, basically. Well, we don't have that this year. So I think, you know, there is some there's some merit to getting him as your second running back, or if there's somehow, probably not because of where he's going. He's basically going kind of early third. So you would have to go... If you're in the early first round, like if you're at like 1-3 or something like that, and you take Derrick Henry or Alvin Kamara, you'd get him in the early third, and that would likely be partnered with like somebody like Calvin Ridley. You know, that that's a the start you could expect there. It's not terrible. It's definitely not terrible. By the way, I know people keep assuming that I, because I've talked about punting your second running back that that's my strategy. It's not. It's a strategy, and it's a strategy I'm probably going to use a bunch this year. But at the same time, if the board gives me an opportunity to take a quality second running back, I'm going to do it. You know, And, and Edwards Lair is, is one of the few I would consider in that uh, situation. He may go in the second round, though, if your league gets really running back crazy. The other running back on my list is Leonard Fournette. Now, you're not going to have to draft him. Don't turn the podcast off, all right? You're not going to have to draft him in the third round. He's going to go in the like, ninth round. But here's where I am with Fournette. Now, Fournette flamed out in Jacksonville and now kind of infamously in in a lot of ways, but at the same time, he flames out in Jacksonville. He goes to Tampa where they win a Super Bowl and even during the process almost flamed out in Tampa. And fortunately, his head coach basically said, you know, figure it that out. <laughs> Pretty much is what Arian said to Fournette. And figure it the F out, he did. You know, down the stretch, all right, in the uh, first round of the playoffs last year, he had a 20-touch game. In fact, it was 23 touches. Then after that, he had 22 touches. Then after that, he had 17 touches. And then, oh, by the way, in the Super Bowl, he had 20 touches. Why are we ignoring that? I get that when people like a certain player, they don't want to see certain things. Like, if it doesn't fit with their narrative, then they don't want to see it. But hey, I'm not a 
freaking Leonard Fournette homer, that's for sure. I am not a truther, none of that. But why are we ignoring this usage? I'm not saying this usage is going to carry over, but what are we, do we think that we can collectively just will Ronald Jones into existence? I just don't buy it. I don't buy it. Now, maybe he doesn't catch as many passes. Sure, they brought Giovanni Bernard in for a reason. But we don't have to pay anything for Fournette. So it is more than worth the shot at possibly, if you get even remotely close to the production that Lombardi Lenny was able to give us, it's more than worth it. So post-type sleeper for me. All right, let's go to wide receiver. Kenny Galladay was frustrating AF to roster last year because of all the injuries. He is currently being drafted as wide receiver 25, though, which for the number one receiver on, yes, it could be a questionable offense with Daniel Jones under center, but the number one receiver, he's already getting glowing reviews from his head coach. All he has to do is stay healthy, but he could be your third receiver. Like, you don't need Kenny Galladay to be your your second receiver. By the way, he was being drafted as like a top 12 guy last year. So let's take advantage of people not wanting Kenny Galladay because of last year and and going after it. Same thing with DJ Chark. I mean, for different reasons, he was disappointing last year, but wasn't the entire team disappointing last year except for James Robinson? He's got a very different situation with Trevor Lawrence under center this year. He's the type of player, too. When I look at him and I look at players who Lawrence has had success with in the past, here's a player who he's had success with in the past who has a similar skill set to Chark, T. Higgins. At Clemson, he did. Chark, very similar receiver. I could see these two making music. I'll take him all day long as a middle-round guy. Odell Beckham Jr., I know nobody wants to hear this because he is a love to hate for a lot of people, but we still don't know what he's going to be in this offense. Don't give me last year. Year one in this offense was Freddie Kitchens. We got to toss that. Last year, he was there for the first seven games right before the team really started to gel. So I think getting him as your third receiver, also very appealing. Galladay, Chark, Odell Beckham Jr., all very interesting names. Galladay's going uh, by far the first out of those guys. Uh, Will Fuller, going a little, even a little bit later. Will Fuller is going to miss the first game of the year due to suspension, but gives you that downfield ability, could very well be the top target. And if Tua does actually take a step forward, Fuller is going to pay dividends. Henry Ruggs, a huge disappointment last year when you look at what Justin Jefferson was able to do, C.D. Lamb, even to a lesser extent what Jerry Judy was able to do. Ruggs was disappointing. But he did put on some muscle, you know, so he's bulking up a little bit for the NFL game, and hopefully the team does get him more involved in the space where he should be involved in, in that short and intermediate, let the kid use his athleticism after the catch. But the nice thing about Ruggs, you're paying for a ceiling and you, it baked in the very low floor is baked into his current price. You don't have to pay much for him on draft day. I'll give you two tight ends, one who I loved last year. Maybe I was a year ahead on him, Tyler Higby. No Gerald Everett there anymore. You do, of course, have Matthew Stafford spinning the ball. He's no-look passing in practice. Higby with his red zone presence and his better-than-you-think athleticism for his size really set up well. And let's not forget, Stafford did pretty well last year. Uh, with T.J. Hawkinson. And then how about Blake Jarwin? Last year, was uh, he was hyped up. He got hurt. And then we saw Dalton Schultz get all those catches. But Jarwin is a much more athletic tight end than Dalton Schultz in one of the most souped-up offenses in the NFL. And you can get him for a bologna sandwich in the end of drafts right now if you wanted to take a stab on a tight end with upside. There you go. Nine post-type sleepers. Guys, you'll get at a discount on draft day here. 
And starting this Saturday for me, I will not have another Saturday for a month without a fantasy football draft. Giddy up, baby. At Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram. Use the hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of this here podcast. And head on over to FTNFantasy.com and check out the goods, baby. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Rackliff, and I'm out.